Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 33 of the 2023 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And the first round of the NFL draft is now in the books. The 31st overall pick was just called. That was Felix Anadike Uzama out of K-State, the defensive end going to the Chiefs. First 31 picks are now in the books. Day two will be tomorrow. Really wanted to provide some instant analysis. Take a look at each of these picks. You know, where was I leaning? What was I thinking with this draft? And ultimately, what do I think of each of these picks? And then also, what can we start expecting to see coming off the board there uh, early on day two? So without further ado, obviously the first overall pick, we knew Carolina was going to go and get Bryce Young out of Alabama. Really the only thing that you have to deal with there is that that stature, 5'10", right? 204, I think he bulked up for the combine, hit that 204 pounds. He'll probably play around 190. And you worry about the the durability. That's really the biggest thing. Is he going to be able to hold up? We've seen what's happened to Tua there in Miami. But the thing that you love about Bryce Young is the, the intelligence, his ability to get rid of the football. He, he is so difficult to, to get touched in, in the backfield. Um, and what's crazy is, is despite that, that, that height, it's never been an issue throwing the football over the middle, down the field. Um, you know, this is a guy that really has, a, has great command of the pocket. And look, you know, it was a close call for a long time with him and C.J. Stroud there in Carolina. It sounds like Bryce Young was the guy all along. Um, and Bryce Young absolutely was that, that pick. And uh, I, I think Carolina, really the biggest thing is, is you're going to have to protect him. And that's really going to be the, the biggest concern. Ikem Aquanu and, and Taylor Moten, you're going to have your hands full making sure that you take care of this guy. That's the face of the franchise now. Frank Reich has his guy. Luke McCown as well, uh, the quarterback coach. Uh, you know, And uh, Jim Caldwell's there. Thomas Brown. They've got a lot of nice pieces there in place in, in Carolina. So I'm really interested to see how this plays out. Houston sitting there at number two. There was a lot of speculation that they may go defensive end. I actually thought about putting Will Anderson there at number two, ultimately thinking that Tyree Wilson with his length fit what D'Amico Ryans was looking to do. I think ultimately with with Will Anderson, he's a guy that you're going to have to play off the edge. Maybe Ryans is looking to be a little bit more multiple with this defense uh, because really lining him up, putting his hand in the dirt, that's not Will Anderson's game. He really needs to be a 34 outside linebacker. So that was really where scheme didn't seem to make the most sense. Uh, C.J. Stroud ultimately was the number two overall pick. And when I looked at him, I I thought C.J. Stroud could potentially slide down the board uh, because of his, you know, the the inability at times to really improvise, play off off platform, but uh, what you're getting here is a quarterback who can come in and start right away. I think you know, Bryce Young is probably the most NFL ready. C.J. Stroud's number two. They really can't afford to wait on a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson to develop, and so you get your guy there with C.J. Stroud. I almost put him there to Houston at 12. Ultimately, didn't pull the trigger on that. And, uh, you know, I could have had Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud ultimately went with Tyree Wilson and uh, and Anthony Richardson. uh, But I did have them going edge rusher and quarterback. Uh, Look, you know, again, they they need their quarterback. They get the quarterback there at two. Then they trade back up with Arizona at number three. And and Arizona doing a a tremendous job uh, with with their draft. Uh, You know, Houston trades up. They get Will Anderson Jr. We just talked about what Houston has there. Houston needs to get a, a force coming off the edge. D'Amico Ryans needs that, that focal point of his defense. Will Anderson, we know the production. We know that this guy can get after the quarterback. Second most sacks in Alabama history to the, the great Derek Thomas, the late great Derek Thomas. And, and when you think about that, this is a guy that uh, is just going to wreak havoc for a lot of years there in uh, the AFC uh AFC South. The one thing with Will Anderson is he's he's not the most explosive guy. Uh, you know he's uh, he's going to use his hands. Uh, he he's, he does have a really nice first step, but he's not going to be your Vaughn Miller type. And I think that's one of the things that they talked about both on ESPN and NFL Network. You know he's he's not going to be that explosive guy for you, but he's absolutely going. The intangibles are absolutely off the charts. Uh, I mentioned Arizona. They traded down. Uh, to number 12. They traded back into round one at number six. We'll get to them here in just one second, but I loved what uh, Monty Austin Ford was doing there. Indianapolis there at number four. I had Anthony Richardson penciled in here for a long time. Ultimately, I I think I was influenced by 
some of the odds makers and, and seeing Will Levis moving up. Um, ultimately, Anthony Richardson was the guy, and he should have been the guy all along for me. Um, you look at Shane Steichen, what he was able to do there with Jalen Hurts, being able to develop Hurts. You look at Anthony Richardson, a lot of his throws, he, he has that command of the pocket. He does a great job with his eyes down the field. The one thing that you know Anders, or Anthony Richardson really struggled with was that footwork, the mechanics. And that's really what I think Shane Steichen can do is, is go in there and really work on that. And look, ultimately, I think Steichen and Ballard won out over Jim Ursay. I think if Ursay had his choice, he probably would have gone Will Levis because of the fact that he, he needs a guy in there quickly. You know, he's, he's not going to be as patient. You know, I think he's sick of having these, these bridge quarterbacks coming in every year. He needs to get a guy as soon as possible. And I think that's part of the reason why I went Will Levis. But the thing with Anthony Richardson that you love is you got Gardner Minshew, you've got Nick Foles, you've got Sam Ellinger. You don't have to rush Anthony Richardson in right away. So ultimately, I think that's a really good pick there for Indy. At number five, Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois, the cornerback. Um, you know, Seattle, I was expecting them, if Will Anderson fell to them there, or Tyree Wilson for that matter, they would have gone with an edge rusher, getting you know uh, that, that ability to put pressure on the quarterback. You know, they, They've got Daryl Taylor. Uh, they've got uh, your boy Mafe, who they just drafted. Uh, but, man, if, if Will, Will, Anderson, or Will Anderson falls into your lap, you absolutely pull the trigger. Tyree Wilson... You know, if he's still there on the board, I know that the Liz Frank injury in his foot is, is a concern. Um, but look, I think Pete Carroll's looking to try to get the Legion of Boom uh, two, And that's really one of the things that I was looking at. Ultimately, I was thinking that if this was going to be a corner, I thought it was going to be Christian Gonzalez, to be honest with you. I thought Devin Witherspoon was, you know, a surefire Detroit Lion. And ultimately, the, the pick here ends up being... Uh, Devin Witherspoon instead, but you pair him with uh, with Tariq Woolen. You've got a, a physical corner. But, you know, the when you think of Devin Witherspoon, you think of that Indiana game. Your first play of the game, he reads the throw in the flag, comes downhill, and just a physical, physical hit. Being able to diagnose quickly, read and react, and get downhill and, and make a play on the football. Uh, you know, this is a guy that is going to be around the football time and time again. You know, they, they hit a home run with Tariq Woolen with the six interceptions, 16 pass breakups. As a fifth rounder, you pair him with Witherspoon. You know, your secondary is really looking looking solid with Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams there at safety as well. Uh, number six, this is where Arizona ends up trading back up. They, they trade with the Detroit Lions. They get Paris Johnson Jr. I was kind of thinking that this was where they were going to lean. Kyler Murray really needed that, that offensive tackle to protect him. And, and you know, 131 sacks in, you know, in uh, 57 games, you know, he needed to get a guy in there to protect him. And that's really the big thing. And, and you look at, at Paris, this is a guy, look, there were just nine hurries, giving up a couple of sacks as a left tackle in his junior year as a right guard in 2021, 13 hurries. One quarterback hit, zero sacks. Intelligent, intelligent player. Graduated in three years. Uh, you know, Two-time, you know, honor student. Um, you know, just very intelligent guy. The length, 36 and an eighth inch arms. I said number three was going to be a little bit too high. They could easily trade down. I was expecting it was going to be for a quarterback needy team. Ultimately, instead, they were able to trade uh, down to with Houston, coming back up to get Will Anderson, and then they moved back in and they they trade with with the Lions we'll get to the Lions here in a minute but I love that pick Kyler Murray has to be ecstatic he's now has DJ Humphreys and Paris Johnson Jr. blocking for him I thought that was a great pick for for Arizona you get to the Raiders there at seven and I had them taking Christian Gonzalez um, who is my my uh, CB1 um, lockdown corner and uh, they, they need guys there on the outside I think that's going to be a target for them on day two you rock Yassin was a free agent you got Brandon Faison, Nate Hobbs, uh, you know, Amik Robertson. But look, they, they need a true number one. They had just six interceptions a year ago. You know, that, that's just not going to cut it. I think with Tyree Wilson there on the board, the Raiders, you know, their doctors must have been happy with his, you know, the, the, the medicals with that foot. You've got Max Crosby, 12 and a half sacks. Chandler Jones, just four sacks himself, entering his second year of a three-year, $51 million deal. No production behind them, especially now that Cleveland Furl's moved on. You know, if you read my, my mock draft on readyforthedraft.com, I talk about Tyler uh, Tyree Wilson being a nice addition to the edge rotation because he can kick inside on passing downs. You get a trio there with Crosby, Jones, and Wilson. And then, 
he ultimately could take over for, for Chandler Jones in the next year or two, especially considering Jones is now 33 years of age. So I, I look at Wilson. It makes a lot of sense. As long as that, 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 that foot holds up, you know, I, I think a lot of Raider fans were upset with this pick. But, uh, man, you get that edge rusher in there. You're going to be able to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. You just have to get that corner now on day two. Number eight overall, Atlanta Falcons taking B. John Robinson. I was kind of leaning this way, uh, especially with all the, the attention that they paid to the defense. That, that front seven uh, through free agency. Ryan Nielsen has a lot of guys there. Calais Campbell, Bud Dupree coming in there to, to work with. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, Arnold Ebichetti, D'Angelo Malone. I think Atlanta could go target another guy on day two. But you get Bijan Robinson in there. And with Bijan, you already have invested in, in Kyle Pitts and Drake London. You've got a fifth-round pick who was a 1,000-yard rusher in Tyler Algier. You're getting weapons for Desmond Ritter. You also brought in Mac Hollins and Scotty Miller, a couple of nice role players there at the receiver spot. Um, you know, you're just continuing to build, and that's something that I just I absolutely love what they're doing. You also look at, you know, Jonu Smith was another tight end. Cordero Patterson actually went down to injury and landed on IR. That was the reason why Tyler Algier was was their number one running back. Now you get the bell cow. You bring in Bijan Robinson, a guy that is going to be a three down back, legit three down back. Um, you know, you could possibly see them lining up with, with two backs with both him and Tyler Algier blocking for each other. Just gives you a lot of versatile weapons, a lot of versatile options. Cordero Patterson could line up in the backfield there. You could put him in the slot. Just, you know, you can really get creative. I think Arthur Smith, uh, you know, this is really a, a great pick for the Falcons. Um, then you get to the number nine overall pick. I had Jalen Carter penciled in here at number nine. I was ultimately thinking the Bears might pull the trigger, but you know how the Eagles, Howie Roseman loves his Georgia Bulldogs. I was expecting Nolan Smith to be a guy that they trade up for. They wind up getting him at 30. We'll talk about that here in a minute, but Jalen Carter there at nine. You think about it, he's going to be playing with Jordan Davis. He also has the Kobe Dean there. These were guys that he was able to play with bonded with they're high character guys so Jalen Carter we know the issues that he's had you also have Brandon Graham you have Derek Barnett you have a lot of high character guys on defense this is going to be a great situation going in there Nick Sirianni and company um, look the rich get richer you know Jalen Carter really physical up front I think it's a, a great pick as long as he can, can keep his uh, his uh, you know, himself clean that's really going to be the biggest thing. He cannot get himself into trouble, and uh, you know if that if they can keep him uh, keep him on the straight and narrow, then I think that that'll be a steal. The best pick in the draft, uh, potentially sitting there at number nine overall. Uh, the Bears move down one slot. They get to number ten overall. I still thought this was going to be Peter Skaronski, but you know I, I had a feeling if you're going right tackle, Darnell Wright could be, end up being the guy. Look, you know. 333 pounds, ran a 501 40 at the combine. And when you watch what he was able to do with Will Anderson, you know, he, he shut him down. And when you talk about about Darnell Wright, the physicality, the footwork, I love this pick. I know some people within the you know the, the bear either you know, the, the Bears community, the fans, uh, aren't all that that happy with it. I think Darnell Wright could end up being the best tackle in this year's draft class. I think he and Skaronsky are probably one and two, neck and neck in there. I think you know Paris Johnson Jr. and Broderick Jones need a little bit of development, a little bit more seasoning. Um, but uh, Darnell Wright, I think, is a guy that can get in there, be very physical for the Bears up front. Uh, I, I really like the pick. Uh, you know, I just I thought the Bears might pull the trigger on Jalen Carter instead. Uh, it's it's the Eagles doing that, but uh, I did get that that selection right there at number nine overall. Then you move on to the Tennessee Titans sitting there at a number 11. I thought maybe this might be where C.J. Stroud might fall or if Tennessee might move up and get their quarterback. Um, by the way, Will Levis is still on the board. Uh, I don't think anybody expected that to happen. You look at Will Levis now, where could his landing spot be? Hello, Tennessee. You could potentially move up in the draft and get your quarterback of the future. Ryan Tannehill, the aging Ryan Tannehill coming off of injuries. He's another quarterback, much like I talked about with, with Kirk Cousins, in the fact that he can only take you so far. You know, you're a run-first offense with, with Derrick Henry for a reason. You don't have a quarterback that can make plays for you. Um, so Will Levis could end up being their guy on day two of the draft. But back to Peter Skaronsky. 
If you look at, at my mock, I was talking about Andre Dillard. Um, you know, I said it doesn't mean that that's going to end their focus upgrading the offensive line. I said Dillard could be used as a guard. Um, if he plays left tackle, then you're also talking Peter Skaronsky as the left guard there. Um, you know, it just gives them a little bit of you know more versatility, more options. Obviously, we know Nate Davis uh, has moved on, moved on to the Bears. Um, so I think this is a great, great pickup for Tennessee. Peter Skaronsky is one of the sure things in this draft. He can end up being an all-pro at guard. I thought Philly sitting there at 10 uh, could end up pulling the trigger on him, but I think Tennessee was another uh, real heady pick there. Uh, really like that pick a lot. Um, then you look at, at at Detroit there at number 12. Uh, you know they, they traded traded down with Arizona, who had traded with, with Houston, and they take Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. Now I, I understand what they're doing here. You know they've got the explosiveness, the, the explosive running back in Jameer Gibbs, uh, a guy who is dynamic in space. I actually had him coming off the board uh, at the top of, of round number two. Uh, I thought there was a chance he may come off the board late in round one, possibly to the Bills. Uh, but look, he's a slasher. The ability to put stress on defenses horizontally before finding that seam. Get downhill in a hurry. Quick acceleration, stop and start ability will make you miss in the open field. Also had 103 receptions in his three-year career with both Georgia Tech and Alabama. When you look at the Lions and what they have at running back, you have DeAndre Swift. Jamal uh, Williams is gone. You have David Montgomery. You know, DeAndre Swift kind of an up and down career, right? Jamal Williams was a thousand yard back. You didn't get the same production out of DeAndre Swift. I think that Jameer Gibbs could come in there and end up being the starter. He's the most explosive running back there that they're going to have in that that running back room. And I think that's going to really you know that plays into why Detroit pulled the trigger. They had two picks, right? Two picks in round one, and so you figure they, they would ultimately address. Their, their defense at some point in the draft. That defensive front, very porous against the run. They could also get a, another edge rusher to team with Aiden Hutchinson and James Houston, the fourth. You also need a corner because you traded away Jeff Okuda. We'll get to number 18 there in just a sec because I think that was probably one of the biggest surprises of the draft. You look at Green Bay at number 13. This is where things get weird. My mock from March 28th, I think I actually hit on six in the basically 13 to 29 range. I hit six in, in you know for my, my March mock. Absolutely insane. The first starter there with Green Bay, I actually had them taking Lucas Van Ness. And uh, you know, I, I ultimately had them mock to take uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I figured this might be the year that they finally pulled the trigger on a wideout there in round number one. Uh, get the number one wide out for Jordan Love. I mean, it's kind of would have been a parting shot there to, to Aaron Rodgers, but uh, Brian, you know, Gutekunst ultimately decided didn't want to go that route. Um, what you do get there, though, with uh, Lucas Van Ness is a guy that is going to be, he's going to be big, he's going to be physical uh, at the point of attack. What I love about him is that you can line him up there at defensive end, and, um, you know, they have Devontae Wyatt, Dean Lowry, um, was a guy that uh, is gone, so you needed to have that depth up front. Um, and, and so I thought that that could have been a pick because this is a guy that draws those comparisons to J.J. Watt. If you listen to some other po- uh, podcasts, I talked about that. You, know, you get that other you know defensive end, a team with uh, Wyatt, with, with Kenny Clark in the middle. Um, he could also be an outside linebacker, Rashawn Gary, battling back from that ACL tear. You know, really, if you look at the measurements, you know, uh, Lucas Van Ness measures comparably to Rashawn Gary. And so, you know, that just seemed to, to add up for me with Green Bay. Ultimately at 13, the only thing that I could fathom was you move up two picks. You get ahead of uh, New England. New England wasn't going to take Lucas Van Ness. So the only thing that I could figure was that they were going after a receiver because they were figuring the Patriots were going to take one. And uh, ultimately, instead they go with Lucas Van Ness. But I, I think it's a solid pick. You know, I don't think it's a great pick, uh, but I think it's solid. This is a kid. Look, you know, he he came off the bench for them, and still, yeah, you know, came off the bench and still ended up having 13 sacks in two seasons. Um, a guy who I think has tremendous upside, nicknamed Hercules for a reason. Uh, he needs to get more pass rush moves than just his bull rush, though. That's something that I think he's going to have to definitely work on. Um, 14 overall, the Patriots traded it to the Steelers. 
and uh, they pick up Broderick Jones, the tackle out of Georgia. I had that mocked in my March mock. And when you look at this, it, to me, it, it just it made sense, right? Um, you're looking at it. You have Dan Moore. He struggled in pass protection. I think he's better suited to kick inside with Kevin Dotson um, along the interior there. Uh, I know that uh, Isaac Somala was also brought in. Could pay, you know, Somala could play center, could also be a guard. I think Kevin Dotson may even be on his way out. So uh, Moore at, at guard. Somalo at guard, and now you bring in a guy like like Jones to be your left tackle, uh, and then Chuka Korafora uh, at, at the right tackle spot. Um, it just it makes a lot of sense, um, and you know Jones is going to bring the physicality. I think he needs to clean up some of his technique, um, you know, especially with his hands. You know, I think the footwork though he moves really well for a guy his size. Um, I, I I think this was a great pick there for the Steelers. They get ahead of the Jets who are absolutely going to take Broderick Jones. And, you know, I thought that was a, a great move on their part to get the left tackle because they, frankly, they struggled there in, in that area. At 15 now, the Jets on the clock. Really, the speculation was, where are they going to go with this pick? They, they don't have an offensive tackle. The top four are already gone. You couldn't even go Darnell Wright. So what are you going to do? You can't use uh, the 15th overall pick on Anton Harrison. That's a little too soon for him. So what do you do? You know that that uh, you know they, they ran that clock all the way to the end. You know Joe Douglas was on the phone trying to make a trade, make a deal, and nothing got done. So ultimately, you, you a little bit of a reach there with Will McDonald the fourth, uh, but because really I think everyone was expecting him to come off the board late in round one or possibly early round two. I look at the Rams uh, at 36. That's where I have Will McDonald uh, forecasted to go. 6'4", 239. Um, and what you love about him, look, he was Iowa State's career sack leader, 34 and a half sacks, so quick off the ball, uses his hands well, a variety of moves, explosive uh, closing burst, but really the calling card is that flexibility, bending off the edge. He gets so low, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I think his uh, three-cone drill was, uh, you know, like 6.95, something something ridiculous like that, which would have put him right there with Jose Ramirez as the top among the edge rushers there at the Combine. Um, Will, you know, Will McDonald, when you look at the Jets and what they need, um, they needed offensive line. That was really the biggest thing that I think you were looking for. But now that you put him in this, you've got uh, Carl Lawson really struggled with that Achilles tear. Jermaine Johnson still coming along. Uh, you've got Michael Clemens, Bradley Anai, Bryce Huff, uh, John Franklin Myers. You don't have that explosive guy coming off the edge that you would have with Mill McDonald the fourth. He's that he brings that that juice that you're desperately looking for. I think it, it makes some sense uh, because clearly they were looking for that tackle and they weren't able to get it. Um, the other guy that I would have seen is Kalijah Kansi. You've got Quinn and Williams, Solomon Thomas right now is penciled in to start. I would have loved to have seen Kansi with, with that, that pass rush, the interior pass rush presence. But, you know, I can't hate on the Will McDonald pick. I'm just surprised that they pulled the trigger there at 15 overall. But look, Joe Douglas wasn't able to move off that pick. So what do you do? Do you risk not getting the guy that you're targeting in terms of that edge rush spot? They really had him after Lucas Van Ness as their next best edge rusher, so they end up pulling the trigger there uh, at number 15 overall. Washington Commanders at 16. I was expecting them to go Dalton Kincaid. I really was because, look, uh, Eric Bieniemy needs his Travis Kelsey in that offense, and I thought Dalton Kincaid would be that perfect fit. Ultimately, they go with the corner. I was projecting at one point them to take uh, Joey Porter Jr., the corner out of Penn State, who's still on the board, mind you. I think, you know, he gets a little handsy, but you love the physicality, especially, you know, jamming receivers there off the line. Um, kind of a surprise that he's still on the board, but they get Emmanuel Forbes. I had him coming off the board in round number one. Um, I had him penciled in with the Jaguars for a long time, and then with the Giants. Ultimately, um, coming off the board here, um, it makes a lot of sense. When you talk about Emmanuel Forbes, yes, he's only 166 pounds, but the cover skills, the ball skills are absolutely ridiculous. Um, just you know, 14 career interceptions, six pick sixes, ball hawk, finisher, ran a 4-3-5-40 at the combine as well, so he's got the long speed to run with guys. It's just going to be that physicality that he's going to have to show that he can hold up with. But you know, if he's got the ball skills and he's got the speed, 
you know, then then you know he has the ability to to stay with anybody there at that NFL level. At 17, the Patriots, who had traded down with the Steelers, if you'll remember, they get Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon. And when you look at the Patriots, I was thinking that they there was a chance they'd go corner. In my uh, March 28th mock, I actually had them taking Joey Porter there because I already had Christian Gonzalez off the board. He's my CB1, uh, absolutely, because of the fact that I think he's the best pure cover corner in this year's draft. Um, when you look at that cornerback position, um, they've got Jonathan Jones. He was re-signed. Jack Jones um, impressed as a fifth-round uh, rookie. But every corner on the roster is under six feet tall. Definitely a problem, you know, especially when you're looking at, you know, if you want to target the Bills, you're going after them, you're chasing Cincinnati, um, you know, you've got a lot of these bigger receivers. You're going to have to find some corners with some length. And Christian Gonzalez is absolutely going to bring that to the table. Uh, again, the ball skills, you're going to see that jump off the off the film. Um, really a big fan of his. I thought he was going to, like I said, was going to go to the Raiders. 6'1", 197, uh, rare blend of speed, size, physicality. Uh, just does a great job locating the football, has the fluid hips to mirror a match to stay with the receiver, um, uses that sideline to his advantage, but it's the ball skills. You know, he, he's really good at getting chest to chest with the receiver, elevates, uses that length to make a play on the football. Um, you know, I, I think ultimately the Patriots at 17 could have gotten a steal in round number one, getting Christian Gonzalez, keep an eye out for him. Uh, you know, I think he's one of those guys that could end up being the top corner in this draft. Uh, which gets us to the Lions there at 18. So they ultimately go with the running back. So I'm looking at Deontay Banks, Joey Porter Jr., get one of the corners, potentially Kalijah Kansi because you need that D-line help, as I mentioned. Um, you know, their, their porous defensive line um, really struggled there. Uh, you know, really they were, let, let, let's see, 30th against the run. 29th versus the pass with their interior lineman only getting three and a half sacks. So, Kalijah Kansi teaming up with uh, Aleem McNeil really you know, would kind of push Levi Amuzurike there uh, on the inside. Um, you look at edge rushers, and uh, you know, after Aiden Hutchinson's nine sacks and James Houston, the fourth, eight and a half sacks, um, you know, the, the only other guy, uh, only DN that registered at least two sacks was John Kaminsky, who, who tallied four. And so I think Miles Murphy would have been a great great pickup here. Instead, they go Jack Campbell. This was a curious pick for me. Not, not because I, I love Jack Campbell. He's my number two linebacker in this year's draft class, uh, inside backer. Um, I think he's got rare rare length, rare size. Um, I mean, it, what, what he's able to do out there is, is ridiculous. You know, model of consistency, last two years, 265 tackles, nine tackles for loss, two sacks, four interceptions, seven pass breakups, knows for the football, uses that instincts, puts him in a position to make a play. If you wanted to know where the ball was heading, just watch the Hawkeyes number 31 work. Um, at his best in the box, fills holes downhill, can scrape over the top to meet the ball carrier on the perimeter. Proven effective to be uh, against the pass as a zone defender, reads those quarterbacks' eyes, the instincts just off the charts. But then the athleticism, runs that 4-6-5-40, 37-inch vertical leap, Three cone drill was you know was six seven four, which was second among wide receivers, and uh, his four two four short shuttle would have put him in the top five among receivers. So rare athleticism there for a guy who is six five and two hundred forty nine pounds. Just a, a bit of a surprise that they would pull the trigger on him there at number eighteen overall. I think you could have gotten some other guys if you're really worried about it. You could have traded back into round number one to get him, or you probably could have just stayed put and gotten him there um, at the top of day two, but uh, they, they end up pulling the trigger with, with Jack Campbell. I ultimately thought they were going to go with a guard. Um, you know, I, I think that ultimately says, you know, no Osiris Torrance here in round one. Maybe they target Osiris Torrance in round number two. Um, they could also you know, look at a defensive tackle, but uh, you look at that defensive tackle draft class. That's why I thought they had a good chance at going D-tackle here. Um, I had them taking Mozzie Smith in round number two. We'll talk about him. He came off the board in round one. You, know, you start looking at the depth at that D-tackle spot, and it starts thinning out quickly. You know, Keanu Benton, uh, Zach Pickens, Carl Brooks all, you know, are names that we'll be hearing likely on day two. Uh, but you know that those aren't the guys that uh, the premium guys, You know, the top four picks, uh, at that defensive tackle position. So I, I thought the Lions, that was a miss there, uh, you know, being able to target the interior of that D-line. I think they're really counting on J. 
Jack Campbell, that inside linebacker, that presence against the run there for the Hawkeyes to really shore up anything, any deficiencies they have up front with a linebacker that's able to play sideline to sideline, come downhill, hit the gaps, be able to scrape over the top. I think that's really what the Lions were looking for there. Uh, Tampa at 19. I had to take Anton Harrison. Look, Anton Harrison went off the board just four, five picks later. So, you know, I, I think ultimately you definitely need to get that that left tackle or potentially a right tackle because uh, Tristan Wirfs is likely, you know, they said may move to the left side. Donovan Smith, they finally got away from him. Um, a quarter of the 22 sacks that they gave up on that line were credited to him. Also called for 12 penalties. He's gone. You need a left tackle. I thought Harrison would have been a nice pick there. They ended up going with Kalijah Kansi. And, you know, at one point I had Lucas Van Ness going here. Ultimately, I went away from that only because when you look at this line, what they were doing there in Tampa, they, they have Logan Hall, they have Vita Vea, and they have Greg Gaines. It feels a lot like what you're seeing in, uh, in L.A. with the Rams when Greg Gaines was there with, with Brockers and Aaron Donald. Ultimately, What's interesting about this is they said that Kalijah Kansi was a defensive end. So it clearly sounds like they are going to be playing him there on the outside, take advantage of some of his, his quickness off the ball, and uh, you know really put him on the outside there. Um, so that's really what's going to be interesting is, is Gaines. You know, are they going to be using more of a, a four-down four lineman with, with Gaines and Vea there in the, on the interior? Really, what are they going to be doing um, that's really going to be the main question there. You know, it's definitely a, a depth pick, uh, but you know, unless they're not as high on Logan Hall, maybe they don't think that Logan Hall is going to be a starter um, this upcoming year. Maybe that's why they're looking at uh, Kalijah Kansi. A little bit of a curious pick, but uh, we'll be interested to see how things play out. Look, they must be satisfied with rolling with Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, because look, Will Levis was still on the board. I said that I still think that there was, uh, you know, that. It's a little early on, you know, pulling the trigger for them. I think they pull the trigger on a quarterback next year. Um, so maybe that's the play. We'll just have to see where Will Levis comes off the board on day two. You look at number 20 overall, Seattle Seahawks. I figured they were going with a receiver. I, I, I really did. You know, you had DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, each clips 1,000 yards. Um, but the only wide receiver with at least 20 receptions was Marquise Goodwin. He's now with the Browns. I had them taking Zay Flowers because I thought Jackson Smith and Jigba was already going to be off the board. They get Smith and Jigba. We know what this guy can do from the slot. We saw uh, what he was able to do even before Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson opted out of the Rose Bowl. They said that he was the most explosive of that trio of receivers. Then he goes out there after you know in that, that Rose Bowl game and 15 catches, 347 yards, a 23.1 yards per reception, three touchdowns, 48-45 win over the Utes. I mean, just a Rose Bowl for the ages. That game was insane. And this is a guy, look, he go, shows up, you know, battled the, that hamstring injury, um, runs a 4-4-9, I think Mel Kuyper said it was a 4-5 at, at OSU's Pro Day. Any of those times, um, you know, that's, that's just fine with me in, in terms of, of a receiver, right? Um, Three-cone drill, um, ended up with a 6-5-7. That was the 12th fastest. Um, since I believe 2007, his, his short shuttle was a 393, which is the fourth fastest time since 2007. So you see his ability to get in and out of his breaks. He's very explosive. And when they needed him down the stretch there in 2021, finished the season with 100, 100 plus yards each of his last five games, double digit receptions in four of those games. I just look at it for Seattle. This is going to be a great pick. If anything ever happens to Tyler Lockett, he ends up moving on, then obviously you've got Jackson Smith and Jigba who can move on the outside there as well to really team with uh, DK Metcalf. You get another weapon there for Geno Smith. I, I, I'm a real big fan of that pick. I look at the Chargers at 21. I had them taking Jordan Addison. I figured that with Chris Beatty there, uh, the wide receiver coach, joined the Chargers in 2021, but prior to that held the same position at Pittsburgh when he coached a young Jordan Addison. I was expecting that to be the pick. They ultimately pulled the trigger on Quinton Johnson out of TCU. And look, Quinton Johnson, at one point I had him in round number one. I moved him to round two. There, there's just there's some bad tape with Quinton Johnson. If you watch him at his pro day, there were a couple of really bad drops down the field. He doesn't use his body or use his length um, like he would want him to do. Um, but he can elevate over, over defenders. He can contort his body to make the athletic catch. Um, athleticism for days. 40 and a half inch vertical leap 
at 6'3", 208, ran a 4'4", 9'40", at TCU's Pro Day. Um, and then when you look at 2022, he finished with 60 catches after a slow start to the season, over 1,000 yards, six touchdowns, career 19 yards per reception. That's proof that he can be a legitimate deep threat. And plus, when you're looking at that receiving group, you know, you've got Keenan Allen, you've got Mike Williams that couldn't really stay healthy. Um, you know, the trio a season ago uh, with, with them and Josh Palmer, 67 catches, 805 yards between the three of them and tallied just 10 touchdowns. None of them um, known for their speed either. They all finished behind Austin Eckler's 107 receptions as well. Uh, so I looked at, at Zay Jones as a possibility. I'm sorry, Zay Flowers as a possibility. But ultimately, um, you know, I went with Jordan Addison because of that that connection there with Chris Beatty. Quinton Johnston, we'll have to see how that plays out. I just thought that there were better options there on the board. Baltimore. Look, Chargers don't take Zay, Zay Flowers, so what do they do? They swoop in and take him. I thought because of OBJ there, I thought there was a good chance that we could see them taking a corner. They need cornerback help. No Marcus Peters. Um, you know, Mar Marlon Humphrey gave up uh, three touchdowns, 11.6 yards per completion against uh, that pro football focus noted. Battled injuries as well. High-level corner uh, made a lot of sense, but Zay Flowers, you put him in that offense, and really the thing with Monken coming in, he's going to want to spread the football around. I kind of talked about, kind of talked myself out of a receiver here because of the fact that what they've been doing is two wide receiver sets. And if you've got Bateman and you got OBJ, where's that third receiver going to play? But you know, with Monk in there, you know, I, I kind of overlooked that a little bit. And uh, you know, with Zay Flowers, look, um, explosive, explosive, explosive. I think that's really the big thing that, that I talked about over and over again with him. Um, his ability to beat you at the line, sidestep uh, your press coverage, which is ridiculous. Maintains the speed coming out of his breaks. Um, creates a lot of separation that way. Tracks the deep ball, ball well. Works the middle of the field. Solid ball skills. Uh, then he's elusive and creative with the ball in his hands. And you know when you talk about wide receivers, they're either quick laterally, running backs as well. Or they have blazing straight line speed. Flowers is one of those guys who has both. That shiftiness, but then he also has that 4-4-2 speed there from the combine. Um, I think it's a great pick for Lamar Jackson. And again, you know, they needed help at that wide receiver spot. And now you've got Zay Flowers teaming with OBJ and Rashad Bateman. Ravens definitely upgraded in a big way. Minnesota Vikings there at 23. I had them taking Emmanuel Forbes because, frankly, I didn't think there was going to be a wide receiver that was worthy of a first-round pick at number 23. Jordan Addison falls to them. I think this is a great pick. No more Adam Thielen. You need to get a guy in there to team with Justin Jefferson. Look, Justin Jefferson, I mean, come on. Premier wide receiver is an understatement. 128 receptions, 1,809 yards, and eight touchdowns. K.J. Osborne's role was expanded. 60 catches, third on the team. But he's not a guy that's going to be your number two. Jordan Addison can come in there and fill in that role in a, in a major way. Um, I think that's a great pick. I still thought that uh, you know Deontay Banks would be a great play, especially, you know, yes, you brought in Byron Murphy, but you lost Patrick Peterson, you lost Cam Dancer, you lost Duke Shelley. Depth at corner, you know, Forbes made a lot of sense to me. Deontay Banks would make sense. Joey Porter Jr. as well. I think what Minnesota is doing is they're going to take advantage of a deep cornerback class to get someone there on day number two. Jacksonville, sitting there at number 24. They end up trading down with uh, the New York Giants. New York Giants ultimately say, you know what? We're going to go ahead and get that corner. We're going to get ahead of uh, of anybody else that may be looking at Deontay Banks. I actually had Deontay Banks coming off the board in my in my March mock to the Giants. Giants need a, a corner there on the outside. The team with um, team with Lenore Jackson. You know that's really a, a, something that is a, a huge need for them. And when I look at that, I look at Deontay Banks. And this guy is going to bring physicality. He's going to want to jam you, get really, really physical at the line of scrimmage, uh, plays with that physical edge, uh, but he's very smooth, fluid hips, uh, ran a 4.3540 at the combine, 42-inch vertical leap, 11-foot, 4-inch broad jump, tremendous athlete to go along with that physicality. I thought that was a great pick there for the Giants. I mean, look, I had it mocked at one point in March, uh, so I thought that made a, a ton of sense there for the Giants. And then the Jaguars... Well, they trade down again to who? The Buffalo Bills. 
they end up taking Dalton Kincaid. I was not expecting Dalton Kincaid to be on the board there. I actually felt that Drew Sanders, you know, look, the Bills could end up pulling the trigger on Drew Sanders in round number two. I just, he just feels like a guy that should be playing next to Matt Milano. Does a lot of the same things that uh, Tremaine Edmonds did. Um, and does that at a high level. Plus, he can get after the quarterback, I think, a little bit better than Edmonds is uh, able to do. So I thought that that made a ton of sense. Um, but I also mentioned in my mock that there's a chance that they could trade up for a skill position player. I was thinking it might be Michael Mayer because, frankly, I thought Dalton K was it was a foregone conclusion he was going to Washington. But a one-two punch in that passing game with, uh, with, with Dawson Knox and uh, also being able to block for... James Cook, Damian Harris, and Josh Allen there in the running game as well. I think that's really a nice pick there with, with Dalton Kincaid, a guy that's going to be able to stretch the stretch the field for um, for Stephon Diggs and for Gabriel Davis. I look at a guy like Tyler Scott on day two, round three. You know, be a vertical wide receiver there in the slot that's going to be able to do the same thing. You know, I think really you build those weapons around Josh Allen. Really, things really start to get exciting there for the Buffalo Bills. So then, what do you have? You have the Dallas Cowboys. Is this where they go tight end? Dalton, uh, uh, Dalton Schultz is gone. He left in free agency. You need a tight end. You need to bring a guy in there that can catch passes there for, uh, for Dak Prescott. I thought Michael Mayer made a lot of sense. He's been on my mock uh, since March. What do they do? You know what? They need help on the interior of that line. And uh, when you're talking about guys that can hold a point of attack, there's nobody stronger than Mozzie Smith. I mean, this is a dude, not only did he put up 225 34 times there at the combine, but he put up 335 20 times. Ridiculous. This guy just doesn't get moved off the point. Um, that's one of the things you can get out of, under pad level. It's forklift guys getting penetration. Quick feet as well, can plant, change directions quickly for a guy his size. Demonstrates that closing burst to the football. 48 tackles in 2022. Sixth on the team in total tackles. You know, there just wasn't a lot of production behind the line of scrimmage. Just six tackles for loss and a half sack in his career with the Wolverines. You want to see more of that production. Can Dallas really get the most out of him with that? But I'll tell you what, you know, if you're watching the broadcast there with Bleacher Report, Micah Parsons was absolutely ecstatic when they said Mozzie Smith. You know, that's a guy that is going to absorb a lot of blockers there in the middle and allow Micah Parsons to go to work. So then at 27, Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, and I, I've had a feeling that they may go with an offensive lineman. I had them taking Anton Harrison um, in February. Then I said, okay, maybe Osiris Torrance before finally settling on uh, Lucas Van Ness at defensive end. Um, but ultimately, it is that offensive tackle. You, know, you lose uh, Jawan Taylor. You're going to need a tackle there. Uh, and when I think about it, you've got Cam Robinson, but now you've got the multiple game suspension. You've got Walker Little on the other side. You need that offensive tackle. Anton Harrison is going to be that guy. I had him coming off the board, like I said, five picks earlier. So I didn't have him available there for the Jaguars ultimately. But uh, I think this is a great pick for them. And they got him at number 27 overall, which I think is probably better value for him coming off the board anyway. At 28, Cincinnati Bengals. I honestly thought, you know, when you look at that offensive line, uh, you know, Jonah Williams was asking for a trade. Um, ultimately, I, I don't think they go tackle anyway. I think Dewan Jones was the guy that I wanted to see them take, um, have Orlando Brown Jr. on one side and then Dewan Jones on the other. It could still happen, by the way. Um, but a tight end, you know, we're talking about tight ends. Hayden Hurst, you know, he's he's gone. You need another another t uh, tight end for Joe Burrow in that offense. Darnell Washington was a guy that, you know, you watch the way that he moved the sled at the combine. He's just a different dude. He's like a, a, a sixth offensive lineman out there. Plus, he has that 464, uh, 40 speed at 6'6", 6'7", 264 pounds. Just that rare athlete. And I think because of that rawness to his game, that might be why he's fallen a little bit. Um, but I, I thought it'd be a great pick there for Cincinnati. Cincinnati can still move up and get him there in round number two. But they ended up going with Miles Murphy, the defensive end out of Clemson. This is a guy who his motor really ran hot and cold. When he was on, this guy was relentless. He was getting after the quarterback. He could bend really well for a guy his size. And uh, you know, then there were stretches where you just didn't see that. He just kind of fell off, you know, fell off the map. He disappeared. And that was really the biggest concern more than anything else for me. 
uh, 18 and a half sacks, 36 tackles for loss in his three seasons. Um, you know, he had a uh, didn't work out at the combine or at the pro day with a hamstring injury. Private workout ran a 4.5 140 at 6.5 at 268 pounds. Um, has a powerful long arm technique to go along with that first step. Um, has some versatility getting after the quarterback. Um, but again, the inconsistency. That's why he fell as far as he did. And you look at the guys, the guys that are that are up front, Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, they work hard. I think they're going to end up pushing uh, pushing Miles Murphy, and uh, I think that's why they, they ended up pulling the trigger there. And, uh, you know, I think they're really banking on their veterans to really pull this guy along and really get him up to speed and get things going. So I, I can't be mad at it at all. I actually had him coming off the board number 31 overall, so I think it's the right value for Miles Murphy. Um, I was just a little surprised that since he you know, pulled the trigger there. But uh, look, you know they need to get after the quarterback in the AFC, and uh, you know that made a lot of sense. New Orleans Saints. I had them taking Kalaja Kansi. They took a different defensive tackle, and that was Brian Bersie out of Clemson. I actually had Brian Bersie going to the Saints in my March mock. And, uh, you know, when you look at it, they lose uh, David Onyemata. They lose Shai Tuttle. And uh, and you've got Nathan Shepard, Kalen Saunders with just 17 sa- uh, starts between them. When I look at, at Brian Bersie, you know, this is a guy, you know, Kalaja Kansi obviously wasn't on the board, so they weren't going to be able to pull the trigger there. So getting a D tackle was going to be a must, and so I think Brian Bersie was kind of a no-brainer. Um, stout run defender, plays with a low pad level, strong anchor, nine and a half sacks in his three seasons, uses a good burst, but you know I think the, the production doesn't scream playmaker. You know, he, he wins getting into the backfield one way. Um, you know he, I get serious Taven Bryan vibes. You know, and so you know that's why he wasn't picked in the top 25. You know, and ultimately he falls to number 30 overall. I'm sorry, number 29 overall. People were talking about him possibly as a top 10 pick at one point. Did show up at the combine, showed off some really good athleticism. Um, you know, he's got the power that you're looking for. Um, you know, finally getting back from his injuries, and uh, you know, the, I think the death of his sister battled cancer mightily. Um, you know, that was you know really part of his uh, part of his rock, probably that family unit that that's there. And uh, I think that really hit him hard. So you saw him really rejuvenated at the Combine. And so I think that's why the Saints felt comfortable taking him. I actually had him coming off the board, number 32 overall, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So this isn't a huge stretch for me at all. I think this is actually a really solid pick there for the Saints there at number 29. At number 30, the Eagles. I thought they were going to trade up to get Nolan Smith. I didn't think Nolan Smith would be available at number 30, and yet he was. And when you look at this guy, I know the combine, you look at it, the 43940, the 41.5-inch vertical leap. Um, but it, the, the strength, he sets the edge against the run. He's adept at attacking blockers with the violent hands, stacks and sheds, use that lateral agility and the pursuit speed to chase down ball carriers. You know, when you look at him bending off the edge, he can get low and, and really bend the corner in a hurry. Um, this is a guy that... You know, he had that the torn pectoral muscle, much like myself, and uh, you know he, I, I think he'll be back and ready to go. Um, you know, I'm six weeks out from my surgery. You know, I, I've been able to ditch the sling now, so um, you know I'm able to start really ramping up some physical therapy. But when you look at Nolan Smith, you talk about this group. Uh, Brandon Graham, I think his days are numbered there with the Eagles, signed again to another one-year deal after uh, you know 11-sack season. But, uh, you know, he's getting a little long in the tooth. You look at Derek Barnett, has kind of been an, uh, a disappointment. He's in the last year of his deal as well. I think he'll learn from these two guys for really taking over with Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick. I mean, Nolan Smith looks a lot like Parsons and Reddick with his size and explosiveness. And so it's just one of those things, you know, you, you can see Howie Roseman loving those Georgia defenders. He already took Jordan Davis and N'Kobe Dean a season ago. Now he follows that up with Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. All, uh, you know, Nolan Smith is a high-character guy. You know, that's another guy that I think can help with Jalen Carter, keeping him on the straight and narrow. He was an energetic teammate, a team captain, a guy that you saw really fired up on the sidelines, uh, despite the fact that he was injured. You love that. You love the intangibles with this kid, and uh, so I think it makes a lot of sense there at number 30 overall. Heck, I mocked it there, so obviously it made sense to me. And then at 31 overall, the Kansas City Chiefs. I ended up mocking Miles Murphy here. 
Uh, Miles Murphy obviously taking off the board. At one point, I was thinking about Mozzie Smith team with Chris Jones. I thought that would have made sense. If you look at my notes um, on the, the mock, I noted that you know with Frank Clark being a free agent, won't be back. Targeting an edge rusher to team with George Karloftis would be in play. So you're thinking about guys like Felix Anadike Uzoma would end up being one of those guys. Ultimately, they do pull the trigger with him. I had uh, Uzama coming off the board a little bit later in the draft. Um, I actually had him going number 40 overall to the New Orleans Saints, who I, we talked about earlier. 6'3", 255. Um, still developing as a run defender, but he's an exceptional pass rush specialist. 20 and a half sacks in his three seasons there with the K-State Wildcats. Excellent burst off the ball. Uses a wide array of pass rush moves to get to the quarterback in a hurry. Also heavy-handed. Plays with a non-stop motor. I think he and George Karloftis are two guys that are going to... I think it'll be really fun watching the two of them get after the quarterback in 2023 and beyond. So that's really kind of the way I look at the first round. You know, the biggest surprises, obviously, no Will Levis. Where will he go off the board? Um, you know, I think Tennessee still needs a quarterback. Um, you know, you look at Detroit with uh, Jared Goff. You know, what, what, how do they feel about long-term with Jared Goff? Um, I think Minnesota is kind of in that same position with Kirk Cousins. Those are three teams that come to mind. Tampa Bay, potentially, uh, depending on how they feel about Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield. I think what works against Will Levis here is the fact that you've got a really strong quarterback class next year. You look at Caleb Williams, you look at Drake May, and then you know a lot of other guys that could potentially step up. You know, J.J. McCarthy, Quinn Ewers, uh, Bo, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr. There are a lot of guys that uh, are going to be excited. Jordan Travis. And for Will Levis, you know, this is a guy who I think still needs some development. To me, when I look at him, he is so buffed up. And that was the part that I was worried about. You know, he's jacked. The last quarterback that looked like him was Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn was not in the league very long. He was a really good analyst there for Fox. But there's a reason why he didn't make it out on the field all that long. Uh, when you look at Will Levis, quarterbacks just don't look like him. Successful quarterbacks in the league. So um, I think there's going to be some legitimate concern with him. And uh, you, know, you fall in love with the arm. I ultimately was looking at more of the fact that this was the guy that could come in and potentially be a starter right away. Um, you know, I think he had more more of the physical tools than C.J. Stroud and really a guy that can come in and, and play faster than, than Anthony Richardson. So that's going to be a big question mark is where does he go? Only one tight end taken. I thought that was a big, bit of a surprise. Uh, I really thought that Michael Mayer and Darnell Washington would come off the board in round one. Really with Michael Mayer, you look at, at the numbers, and yes, he didn't put up stellar numbers at the Combine. Who else didn't do that? Mark Andrews, Pro Bowl, All-Pro tight end. He ended up falling in the draft day two, and we know what's happened, obviously, there with the Baltimore Ravens. So I think Michael Mayer would be just fine. Um, you know, I think Dallas can end up trying to make a play for him there in round number two, looking at the value. Um, you know, obviously the Lions. I, I think those those two picks were very curious picks. They had their board. It used to be Seattle who kind of marched to the beat of their own drums. It sounds like Dan Campbell and company there are really going to be the guys that are going to be doing that. Um, I thought Brian Branch was going to come off the board in round one. I had him going to the Giants. I think Branch, you know, the Eagles, the Giants, uh, really any team that's looking for a, a high-end safety, a guy that could uh, play a lot of different positions, play in the slot, play uh, over the top, um, can come in the box and, and drill you. Yeah, he ran a 4.5840 at the combine, but um, it's his instincts. He trusts his eyes, aggressive, attacks the football. He comes downhill in a hurry, heat-seeking missile. That's really his game. He plays a lot faster than his time. And so I still think the Giants can end up pulling the trigger there and taking him. Um, you know, I think the Eagles, another team that, uh, that really make a lot of sense there with Brian Branch. I mentioned Drew Sanders. I think the Bills there in round two could absolutely target him. Kind of surprised that there were five wide receivers taken. Uh, I really only had three that I expected to come off the board in round number one. Um, I think Joey Porter Jr. was the other big surprise. You know, this is a guy who is 6'2", 193 pounds, um, 80 and 7 8 inch wingspan is almost unheard of for a corner. Ran a 4 4 7 40. Man, this guy could stay with his man vertically. He transition, you know, his transitions can be slow, 
but the physicality still allows him to stay in the receiver's hip pocket. Does get a little grabby. I think that might be why he's fallen compared to some of these other guys who are a little bit more fluid. And that may be the bigger concern there. But this, like, this guy is a gamer. If I'm Pittsburgh, I'm sitting there at number 32 overall. I pull the trigger and I get Joey Porter Jr. in a Steelers uniform. I think his dad would definitely be happy with that. Um, but there are a lot of other guys that are out there on the board as well. Um, when you talk about uh, cornerbacks, you've got DJ Turner and, and his speed. Uh, you know, that's a guy that I, I think you can absolutely target. Um, you're also going to be looking at Keely Ringo. With, with Keely Ringo, uh, 6'2", 207, uh, 4 3, 6, 40. You know, look, this guy had some stellar, stellar plays, but also recorded nine penalties against, according to Pro Football Focus. Very grabby, but uh, the size and uh, the, the potential is absolutely there for him. Uh, so he's a guy that I think can end up getting uh, a good look early there on day two. Cam Smith is the other one. I look at, at the at the Jags, and um, you know I, I think they need a, a nickel. And I look at Cam Smith. I think he can be that guy, 6'1", 180 there out of South Carolina. I think that would be a great pick. The other position that has a lot of depth uh, is is that edge rusher spot, right? And so I mentioned that Will McDonald, the fourth, I thought he was going to be a guy. Same thing with um, Felix Anadike, uh Uzama. I'm looking at uh, Ade Adabare there out of Northwestern. Ran that 4'4", 940 at the combine. We knew about the violent hands. We're not expecting him to, uh, to really – blow up the combine like he did. Um, I think the Rams there at 36 could potentially pull the trigger with him. You've got uh, Derek Hall uh, out of Auburn. You have B.J. Ojolari there out of LSU. Keon White of Georgia Tech is another guy. Um, I'm looking at the Atlanta Falcons there at 44. I think Keon White, 6'5", 285. You allow Ryan Nielsen to kind of work his his magic with him. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, receivers. You know, I was surprised that we saw as many receivers as we did come off the board. You still have Jalen Hyatt. To me, I get a lot of Corey Coleman and Will Fuller vibes, but he's going to be a guy that's going to come off the board early because, you know, you can't teach speed. I think the Tennessee Titans at 41 might look at Josh Downs. 5'9", 171, a guy that I think is going to be a killer for them to really be a nice compliment for uh, Traylon Burks. Um, you know, the tight ends. We know that it's going to be Michael Mayer. We know that we're going to be seeing... Um, you know, Darnell Washington. We know that we're also probably going to see Luke Musgrave and then Sam Laporta out of Iowa. I think there could be four tight ends taken in round number two. I think that makes a lot of sense, um, and I could absolutely see that happening. Um, obviously, the quarterback spot, I mentioned Will Levis. Uh, Hendon Hooker is the other guy. You know, I look at Seattle with Hendon Hooker. I think, you know, this is a guy that can come in and learn from Geno Smith. Geno Smith on that three-year deal. Um, can he really duplicate what he did from a season ago? I know that he's going to get all the bonuses and everything else. Uh, Hendon Hooker doesn't have to come back right away off that ACL tear that he sustained on November 19th against South Carolina, but uh, a guy that has a ton of talent and uh, you know can sit there, like I said, behind Geno and uh, get healthy. Once he does that, if Geno Smith falters at all, then I think we're absolutely going to see Hendon Hooker uh, get a chance at that starting spot. Uh, Trenton Simpson, linebacker there out of Clemson. I think he and uh, Drew Sanders are going to be guys that we're going to see targeted. Same thing with Dayon Henley out of Washington State. Excellent coverability. He'll be one of the top linebackers in this draft class when it's all said and done. Sanders, Simpson, and Henley. I think it makes a lot of sense to see them come off the board. Um, you know, I, I mentioned some of the edge rushers. I think Byron Young out of Tennessee, second or third round. I like Yasir Labdula a lot, a lot more than some of the other guys. Um, I think this is a guy that can end up being a, a Sam backer, a guy that can get after the quarterback. He's 6'1", 237, has that speed coming off the edge, makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. If you're talking about defensive ends, Tuli Tui Pelotu, they're out of SC. I've got him going to the Chargers there in round number two. Uh, Isaiah Foskey of Notre Dame. Uh, look, if the Bears want to get an edge rusher, I think Foskey would be a great pick there in round two as well. I mentioned the D tackles earlier. Uh, Keanu Benton could be a second or third rounder. I think Carl, Carl Brooks out of Bowling Green. Production there as a defensive end. He's bulked up. He's now over 300 pounds. He's a guy to watch out for there on uh, day number two. I think the Raiders, that'd be a great fit. They need an interior line presence. Um, you know, Zach Pickens there out of South Carolina is going to be another defensive tackle to keep an eye out for. Um, I, I think that's a, a play there for sure. You look at the guards. I mentioned uh, Osiris Torrance. I think the Lions could potentially target him. 
I really don't know what the Lions are going to do at this point. Um, but I look at Steve Avila as the other one. And when you talk about Steve Avila, um, I look at Dallas. Dallas could use a, an interior lineman. I think Avila, you know, do the the Cowboys really want to pull the trigger though on a guard in round number two, considering they need a tight end desperately. Maybe not. But uh, I think Seattle, they don't have any guards on the roster past 2023. And I would also play center in a pinch. You've got Evan Brown there. He may not be the guy, you know, long term for them. So I, I really love Steve Avila. Cody Mock, uh, they're out of uh, North Dakota State, a guy that can play tackle and guard. Uh, the versatility there. He'll be a, a second uh, second round pick. I think that makes a lot of sense as well. Um, receivers, I mentioned Downs. I mentioned uh, Jalen Hyatt. There's some other guys that I think could come off the board in round two. Jonathan Mingo is 6'2", 220. Physical, physical, physical presence. I look at uh, Kansas City. What don't they have? They don't have that physical wide out, a guy that's going to be able to block uh, down the field for receivers and running backs. And, you know, he's sub 4-4 guy, or sub 4-5 guy, excuse me, and a guy that can just create and get open with his route running ability. I think he's an underrated receiver. Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma, uh, 5'11", 183. This is a guy who ran a limited route tree there at OU. I think ultimately he's going to expand that route running and uh, you know, be able to really showcase that at the next level. He's a guy to, I look at the Eagles, they need a third receiver there after uh, the, the thousand yard duo of uh, AJ Brown and uh, you know, Devontae Smith. Quez Watkins was the only other receiver that uh, really produced for them. I think that'd be a great spot for, landing spot for Marvin Mims. And then Cedric Tillman. I look at the Packers. If the Packers don't end up you know, messing around with a receiver in uh, in round two, you know, I, I think that, that you could potentially see Tillman come off the board in round three. He's a possible round two guy, but uh, you know, I think round three really makes a lot of sense in terms of his value. Um, when you look at the running backs, Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. I think the Bills, this would be a great compliment to to James Cook. I look at Tyje Spears. If I'm the Dallas Cowboys and I'm looking for a compliment to Tony Pollard, I think he could absolutely be that guy. Uh, Devin A. Chain has this, has that speed and a guy that can catch the football out of the backfield. He'll be a nice complimentary piece. I think Zach Evans, the injuries, we've seen some of the injuries play into guys in their draft stocks. So Evans may fall to day three. He'd end up being great value at that point as well. Um, so I, I think there's going to be some interesting you know, names that are going to kind of be thrown around at that offensive line. Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse. I look at him. He's a guy that can play guard. He can play tackle. Uh, very versatile guy. Um, I think he's going to come off the board early on, on day two. Dewan Jones, I just want to see him go to the Bengals so bad. Because then you can play him in Orlando Brown uh, Jr. And you've got giant, giant bookends for Joe Burrow. I think that would just be awesome to see. Um, the centers. Day two, we're going to see a run on centers. You're going to see John Michael Schmitz, Luke Whippler, Joe Tipman, uh, Olu Oluwatimi all come off the board on day two. Ricky Stromberg, probably going to be a round four guy. But, uh, you know, I think teams that are looking for starters at center like the Giants, uh, the Seahawks, the Texans, you can get these guys um, on day two of the draft. So I think that makes some sense there as well. Um, when you talk about safeties, Obviously, I mentioned Brian Branch, but then you have Antonio Johnson, a guy that can do a little bit of everything, has great size, good range. Jair Brown, 5'11", 203 out of Penn State, very instinctive player. Uh, you know, Sidney Brown has a nose for the football, makes a lot of plays there out of Illinois. Um, another Illinois guy is, is Jartavius Quan Martin, uh, a guy that can line up in the slot, a guy that can play over the top. Very versatile defender, a guy that can also kick inside and, and, uh, and cover uh, in the slot a little bit. Um, I look at a, guy, a team like Tampa, and uh, I think Jartavius Martin, pair him up with uh, with Antoine Winfield. You also lost Sean Murphy Bunting. Um, this is a guy, look, I think he had a 45-inch vertical leap, which is absolutely insane. Um, so those are some of the names that I think we should be paying attention to on uh, day two of the draft. The other name to mention is Julius Brents out of K-State, 6'3", 198. You know, if I'm Dallas, I'm just thinking about this. You already have Trevin Diggs, and you already have uh, Stefan Gilmore. Get another corner with length, a third corner. I know you're going to need a guy in the slot, but I'm just I'm looking at this, and it just 
That would be just scary there on the outside. I think that would be a lot of fun to see. Julius Prince is going to be a guy to me that should come off the board there um, in that second to third round range and uh, a guy that should be starting relatively quickly. Um, so I, I think he's going to benefit from the success that we've seen from you know longer corners like Tariq Woolen. And so I, I, I think teams are going to be looking for that next guy. It's a copycat league. And I think when you look at Julius Brents, he could be a guy that could fill in that role. So been able to take a look at round one, give you my thoughts initially on where these picks fell, and then also give you an idea of who to be on the lookout for on day two of the draft. Keep in mind, day two, Friday, April 28th, rounds two and three. Make sure you tune in and watch, and then I'll be able to go ahead and break down both of those rounds, really give you my thoughts on those picks, and then really what to expect for day number three, Saturday, April 29th. The draft is in full swing. This is like the Super Bowl for me. I, I enjoy this time so much, being able to evaluate the players and really see all the hard work uh, come into play and really be able to see where guys fall. You know, if you're talking about my, my mock, I, I think I had – uh, 80% of the guys that I mocked went off the board in round number one. And the guys that uh, I had coming off the board in round two, they didn't fall too far. You know, I, I think I had them no higher than 50. You know, I, I don't think, you know, they're all top 50 players. And so, you know, I feel pretty good overall with where I had guys mocked. And when you look at the guys in my, my April mock, um, you know, I think I had three guys that I nailed with the, the exact team, some other guys coming off the board at the right time. I'm sorry, four guys, if you include Nolan Smith there. Um, but then also guys like Jalen Carter I had nailed at, at number nine. I had – and then you look at my mock from March. You know, you want to talk about really hitting in the middle of that draft. You know, I think I hit six picks there from my, my March mock. Um, so in terms of, you know, the, the evaluation overall – Really what that tells me is I just need to trust my gut. Don't listen to anything else. Don't listen to any of the noise. Just really trust what I'm putting out there because at the end of the day, those mocks, you know, my last mock, you know, I think I listened to a little bit of the chatter. Really shouldn't do that. Trust your gut. Trust your instinct because at the end of the day, my instinct probably would have landed me, you know, a, a 30 uh, to 40% clip in terms of getting, you know, the, the accuracy correct. If I look at that, yeah, probably – Right around you know 35 percent would have been my my accuracy rate with the draft had I not uh, strayed away from there. So um, need to make sure that I just trust my gut going forward. But the good news is when I look at the overall analysis, the the guys where they went and uh, really a feel for the value of these players, I think I'm right where I need to be. Which look that just the the credibility overall. And uh, the work, you know, it just proves to me that the hard work is paying off. All the games that I watch, all the film that I watch, uh, all the studying, looking at all the numbers, all of that has made a huge difference. So I hope you've enjoyed the ride so far. we got a couple more days of the draft. Then we'll do an overall post-draft edition. And then I'll give you a very, very early look at the 2024 draft. Guys to be on the lookout for as we head into the 2023 college football season before we go ahead and put a bow on the 2023 podcast series. Again, hope you've enjoyed the content to this point. And until next time, for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. We'll talk soon. And until next time, I am out of here.